0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the November 30th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scaren, and Kelly. Let's get started with our litigation report. A new Court of Appeal decision shows that overcoming a cancer presumption in a peace officer case is difficult but not impossible. Here's what happened in the published decision of Karen Samea versus Los Angeles County Employees Retirement Association. Karen Samea's husband, David, died of Pertgett's lymphoma after serving for seven years as a deputy sheriff with the LA County Sheriff's Department. Mrs. Simea received a non-service-connected survivor's allowance. She asked the LA County Employees Retirement Association for a service-connected allowance. LaSera asked Dr. James Padova, a medical oncologist, to review David's medical records and evaluate whether his death was related to his work as a deputy sheriff. The doctor concluded that Mr. Simea's death was from the complications of a high-grade Burkitts-type lymphoma and was not service-connected. The doctor noted that her husband's first became symptomatic within five years from his first date of employment. The latency period for Burkitt's lymphoma is usually in the order of 10 to 15 years or more, which means he would have contracted the disease before county employment. Samaya's expert, Jeffrey Hirsch, M.D., issued a report in which he concluded that David Samaya's illness was industrial in origin. Her doctor believed that prior research has indicated that Epstein-Barr virus, a common viral pathogen, is a risk factor for the development of Burkitts. Dr. Hirsch reasoned that as a sworn peace officer, the decedent had a far higher risk of exposure to biologic agents and microbes as compared to individuals pursuing activities other than law enforcement. The doctor said that the decedent's parole career caused frequent close contact with several categories of individuals known to harbor infectious diseases at a higher rate. These categories of individuals included incarcerated individuals with poor personal hygiene, IV drug users, patients with HIV, and the homeless populations. The Los Angeles County Employees Retirement Association denied her application for service-connected survivor death benefits. The Superior Court denied her petition for a peremptory writ of mandate compelling Lacerra to reverse this decision. And the Court of Appeal issued a published opinion affirming the denial. The Court of Appeal noted that although the evidence demonstrates that David Samea was exposed to carcinogens as a result of his work as a deputy sheriff, kits was related to exposure to bacterium, not exposure to chemical carcinogens. Evidence that Mr. Samea might have come into contact with an inmate or suspect who might have had a virus is not sufficient evidence of a carcinogenic exposure. Samea did not demonstrate that her husband was exposed through his work to any carcinogenic viral or bacterial agent. Thus, Lacerra has overcome the cancer presumption in Government Code Section 31720.6, which is the same as the cancer presumption in workers' compensation cases. The Court of Appeal concluded that overcoming the cancer presumption is difficult, but not impossible. We had two cases this week from the Court of Appeal on the requirements for granting a petition to reopen a workers' compensation case. In the first case, the Court of Appeal ruled that an injured worker's petition to reopen for injuries to different body parts was barred because of his failure to diligently identify his injuries. Here's what happened in the unpublished opinion of Hancock v. the State Fund. In 2002, Mr. Hancock filed a cumulative trauma claim of injuries while employed as an ironworker by D&M Hancock, his family's business. Hancock's claim was settled in 2005 by way of stipulations with a request for award, providing benefits for injuries to his low back, left and right knees, and bilateral carpal tunnel. Later, Mr. Hancock filed a petition to reopen for new and further disability, alleging his condition got worse. He also alleged injury to his bilateral shoulders, which were previously unmentioned body parts. The work comp judge denied the petition to reopen with respect to the new body parts because that new claim was waived by the party's stipulation in the prior award. The stipulated prior award contained the following language. This agreement resolves all issues of liability for any injury specific or cumulative for plaintiff's entire period of employment with his employer. Hancock's petition for reconsideration pointed out that the work comp judge had erroneously assumed that medical evidence of injury to both shoulders existed at the time of this stipulated award and this release language. The work comp judge agreed and a new award issued where the judge found injury to the newly alleged shoulders. The State Compensation Insurance Fund petitioned for reconsideration, which was denied by the WCAB. The Court of Appeal, in an unpublished opinion, found that the wording of the stipulated award and release did not waive Mr. Hancock's claim for bilateral shoulder injury. Civil Code section 1542 provides that a general release does not extend to claims which the creditor does not know or suspect to exist in his or her favor at the time of executing the release, which, if known by him or her, must have materially affected his or her settlement with the debtor. The court noted that the stipulation includes no reference to future or unknown claims of liability. Mr. Hancock did not have knowledge that his shoulder problems were industrial at the time of the stipulation and hence unknown injuries were not waived because of the effects of Civil Code Section 1542. The record, however, did not support reopening his case. The WCAB is authorized to reopen a decision or award upon a showing of new and further disability under Labor Code 5410 or for good cause under Section 5803. A petition to reopen for new and further disability under Section 5410 requires there to be a causal connection between the alleged new and further disability and the original industrial injury. Here, nothing in the record supports a conclusion that Hancock's shoulder injuries were a compensable consequence of his original injuries. Thus, reopening under labor code 5410 does not work for Mr. Hancock. The WCAB in this case relied on Section 5803 to reopen the case, which does allow reopening for newly discovered evidence as an alternative basis for permitting the reopening of Mr. Hancock's case. The Court of Appeal noted that Hancock's petition for new and further disability contained no showing of due diligence on the part of Mr. Hancock to learn of his industrial injuries at the time of the stipulation. The record suggests that he had symptoms at the time of the stipulation, and there was a lack of his due diligence to determine if these symptoms were, or were not industrial. The court said that in the absence of evidence of due diligence, there was an insufficient basis for finding good cause to reopen under labor code 5803. That code requires newly discovered evidence. The WCAB was ordered to grant the state fund's petition for reconsideration consistent with this unpublished opinion. Now, in a second case on the topic of a petition to reopen, the Court of Appeal clarified that there are two separate bases for granting such a petition. In the unpublished opinion of CHP versus the WCAB Michael Griffin, michael griffin worked for the california highway patrol as a peace officer he sustained cumulative trauma industrial injuries to his neck back right hand gastrointestinal system headaches bilateral knees and feet and his right hip in 2003 the parties agreed to a stipulated award in 2004 officer griffin filed a petition to reopen his claim based on new and further disability, including a new injury to his left thumb and left hand. The petition was amended in 2005 to also allege injury to his heart. The work comp judge found that Officer Griffin had not met his burden of proof as to the new and further disability for the left hand and thumb, nor did he meet his burden of proof with respect to the injury to his heart. Officer Griffin filed a petition for reconsideration. As to the heart, the WCAB found continuing jurisdiction over this claim. They said that Officer Griffin had timely filed a petition to reopen, which included the heart by amendment. The WCAB found Officer Griffin had met his burden of proof regarding the industrial causation of his heart injury because he was entitled to the Labor Code presumption of injury. The heart condition had developed within the five-year time limit since there were reports of chest pain in the medical records from 2004, which was within the five-year limit. The CHP petitioned the Court of Appeal for a writ of review, claiming that without a showing of any causal connection between the injuries involved, involved in this original award and those involving the left hand and heart, there is no jurisdiction to reopen the case. The Court of Appeal noted, that reopening a case under section 5410 of the labor code does require that the original injury has caused the new and further disability. However, reopening a case under section 5803 can be based upon newly discovered evidence, which could not have been produced earlier. Labor code sections 5410 and 5803 offer distinct bases upon which the board may exercise its continuing jurisdiction. Officer Griffin met his burden of proof under Section 5803, and there was good cause to reopen the case for that reason. Workers' Compensation Judge Paul DeWeese from the LA District DWC office spoke about lien claims at the Association of Hearing Representatives of California November monthly meeting. Judge DeWeese outlined lien procedures at the Los Angeles Board. Lean trials will now go first on calendar at 8.30 a.m. For this reason, parties and their representatives should arrive on time. Each judge will take one lean trial starting next April. Lean trials are expected to be very brief. Parties are expected to enter their exhibits and then submit the case. It is not likely that expert testimony will be taken, and instead parties should have their written bill reviews available at the time of trial. Lean filers must comply with Rule 10550D, which requires a lien claimant to state whether it is the original owner or whether it has purchased the lien from the original owner. Lean claimants are warned that Rule 10770.5 requires a verification under penalty of perjury of the specific facts relevant to the timing of filing the lien claim the reasons for the DWC district office venue chosen, and the due diligence search for information before filing the lien claim. Sanctions may be imposed for failure to follow these regulations. Early next year, e-filing will become mandatory except for pro-per applicants. Judge DeWeese reported that the Los Angeles office lien fiesta announced at the beginning of this year was very successful. The immediate purpose was to clear out the lien calendar. In the 12 months preceding the lean fiesta, there were only 144 lean trials. From June 1st to present, there have been over 1,000 lien trials. The Los Angeles office hopes to close the lien unit after March 2011, when the backlog has been resolved. With respect to the current lean consolidation motions, Many petitions have been filed on both sides and a decision on the motions should be made shortly. Currently, interpreter liens are coming in at about 700 per month and treatment liens at 485 a month. The Los Angeles District Office is open five days a week. Although the staff is operating at a loss of personnel, they are there to help and provide status when needed. And now our fraud report. Nicholas Chavez of Greenfield pled guilty to one count of felony tax evasion and one misdemeanor count of failing to secure workers' compensation insurance. Mr. Chavez is the owner of Nick's Garage, an automobile repair business located in Greenfield. In March, investigators contacted the defendant at Nick's Garage during an enforcement operation for workers' compensation insurance on employers in Monterey County. The Monterey County District Attorney Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit organized the operation with detectives from the California Department of Insurance. The enforcement operation involved unannounced compliance checks on targeted locations based upon information received, indicating that certain employers did not have work comp insurance. Employees were found working at his garage and Mr. Chavez admitted he did not carry workers' comp insurance. He was also collecting taxes from employees, but not paying those taxes over to the EDD on behalf of the employees. Mr. Chavez is scheduled to be sentenced in January. Unemployment Insurance Code felony violations have a maximum penalty of three years in prison and up to $20,000 in fines. Failure to secure work comp insurance has a penalty of up to one year in jail and up to double the amount of the premium owed as a fine. And in financial news, Commissioner Steve Poisner rejected the WCIRB request for a premium rate increase for the third consecutive time. He said that workers' compensation insurers have failed to demonstrate that they have adopted procedures to control costs or that they are operating efficiently. Commissioner Poisner noted that our nation and our state are in the midst of a recession and unemployment rates are sky high. He claims that this is absolutely the wrong time for workers' compensation rates to increase. Poisoner released a report in 2009 detailing 27 available but underused efficiencies insurers could use to control costs. Poisoner has consistently instructed insurers that until they demonstrate that they are implementing these changes, he would not consider a rate increase. The benchmark he rejected is purely advisory, and the California Department of Insurance does not set workers' compensation rates. California's work comp costs have moved from ninth to the fifth highest in the nation. And now critics of SB 899 reforms are gearing up for a major drive to modify it after Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger gives way to Democrat Jerry Brown in January but a new cost survey conducted by the Oregon Department of Consumer and Business Services gives employers some ammunition to resist these changes. The Oregon agency surveys work comp costs in all states and develops an index of insurance costs. The new report says that California has jumped from ninth to number five in the nation with an average cost of 31% above the national average. Only Montana, Alaska, Illinois, and Oklahoma are higher in work comp costs. North Dakota has the lowest work comp costs, half the national average. Indiana, Arkansas, District of Columbia, Virginia, and Colorado join North Dakota as the lowest cost states in the nation. The state of Nevada, that openly solicits solicits businesses to move to Nevada in order to enjoy lower costs of doing business ranks 21st on the list, which is below California, but still above the national median. Next year, it is expected that premium costs will go up even more in California. The State Compensation Insurance Fund has already announced that they will raise its premiums for 2011 policies. And our medical report, the FDA announced the highly popular narcotic painkiller, Darvon, has been pulled from the market because it contains fatal it can cause fatal heart rhythms. The FDA asked Kentucky based Xanodyne pharmaceuticals to stop selling Darvon and Darvoset after new data confirmed fears that the active ingredient pro, uh, prop let's try that again, propoxifene could cause serious or even fatal heart rhythm abnormalities. 10 million patients took Darvon, or a generic version, in 2009, and 18 million prescriptions were dispensed. The FDA said that the decision means patients will have even fewer safe options to manage pain. Officials from the FDA said that new heart data significantly alters risks of Darvon in terms of the risk-benefit profile. The drug's effectiveness in reducing pain is no longer enough to outweigh the drug's serious potential heart risks. Officials of the Public Citizens Health Research Group said it was too little too late, noting that Britain banned the drug six years ago. The group said That at least one to two thousand or more people in the United States have died from using this drug since the time the UK ban was announced. The FDA said it was advising healthcare professionals to stop prescribing the drug and said patients taking it should speak to a doctor about switching to another drug as soon as possible. The FDA said that Darvon does not cause permanent damage to the heart. Once patients stop taking the drug, the risks will go away. And that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for our next report.